online on radio.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is, and a good morning. Thanks for joining us. It is seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on a free-for-all Friday that is not going to be free for pretty much anybody. We are loaded up today on this Friday edition. It is the 12th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2021, and we have a lot of uh, guests today, and we have a lot of very important things to discuss with those guests. But before we do that, let me advise uh, liberal uh, leftist Democrats Go ahead and take your knee right now, or uh, go ahead and uh, flip the middle finger as the rest of us uh, recite the Pledge of Allegiance. To the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, leftists, it's okay to come out now. You can turn it back on. The pledge is over. Sorry about the beginning there. We were potted down. Uh, But, uh, yeah, we are doing the Pledge of Allegiance every day on this show as a promise that I'm keeping to listeners who have asked for it, especially in light of Democrat refusal to play or acknowledge or recite the pledge before congressional committee hearings. Now to the guests. Then speaking of uh, congressional committee hearings, yesterday there was a big one in the House Judiciary Committee uh, as they talked about Joe Biden's incredibly self-destructive, national security-threatening, sovereignty-surrendering immigration reform plans. And one of the guest speakers or uh, witnesses to testify before that committee is our very own Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow spoke yesterday for about three hours, he tells me, to the Judiciary Committee about this nonsense. And today, he's going to tell us how that went. So Peter Kersenow at 9.35 this morning. Normally, we talk to Pete on Tuesdays, so it's a special treat. Bonus Kersenow at 9.35, coming up uh, a little bit later on this hour. Then at 10.10, this is just something I wanted to do. Um. Because Monday is President's Day, and we're not going to have a live show. Uh, President's Day is a company holiday at Salem, and we don't make our, our uh, board ops and producers and other uh, folks work, and so we have a, a, a recorded show, a best-of show. So I can tell you this. 
We're going to have for you a replay of the Anthony Gonzalez interview that I did a few weeks back uh, as he voted right at the day after. Literally, he voted to impeach the president and to send the uh, article over to the Senate for a trial. So that will be there. But um, the President's Day part of it is what matters to me. Presidents are under attack, particularly those that, um, you know, that we remember the most on President's Day. Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday are both in the month of February, and as such, President's Day is kind of a, com- a commemoration of their uh, glorious terms and their contributions to this great republic, but also to all presidents. And as you know, the left is going out of their way to cancel presidents, including George Washington, because despite all of the glorious and wonderfully great things that he did to build this beacon of freedom that is the United States of America, he was, as almost everybody was in that day, a slave owner. So the memory of George Washington is being tarnished. Uh, the contributions that he made are being eliminated and canceled, if you will. And people are trying to do the same thing with uh, 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 President Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln emancipated the slaves. He literally led the fight against the the South, the Confederacy, to end slavery and to rebuild this nation, to reunite it. Um, his contributions to history are just, they're, they're un unlimited i mean literally without limit you can you continue to just look at everything that uh, that abraham lincoln was for but we're going to look at lincoln we're going to look at washington because it's their birthdays but we're also going to talk about jefferson who's also been canceled by uh the left and there's nobody better that i know to do that than bill federer bill federer is an american treasure he is a historian and author and he knows uh american history like the back of his hand, and he's going to talk to us at 10.05 or 10.10 today about the real Washington, the real Jefferson, the real Lincoln. It's basically a pre-President's Day, President's Fest. That's pretty much what we're going to do. So I'm looking forward to that at 10.10. And then at 10.35, as we started last week, we'll have our weekly visit from former State Representative Christina Hagan, as she's got commentary on everything that's going on inside the state and out today. So three great guests, as noted. Peter Kersenow coming up, then Bill Federer, then Christina Hagan. And if you can work in your calls before, in, and around those, God bless you. We'll take them. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. So the defense gets to speak up today. Finally, Trump defense attorney David Schoen spoke out on the impeachment trial yesterday as the House managers essentially said, Donald Trump said fight. That incited people to go and attack and commit violence. This is how he responded. If you analyze that speech, that, that speech, first of all, in no circumstances could it be incitement. It's a powerful speech. But when he uses the word fight most of the times during the case, it's clear he's talking about legislators fighting for our rights. People fighting to advocate. And, and they, you know, everyone likes to overlook the word peacefully in there. Fight, 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 fight. This is, of course, something that is just political verbiage for all politicians, including all five of these liberal Democrats. When we have been attacked and when our ideals and fundamental values are being attacked, do we retreat or do we fight? I say we fight. Yeah! And I intend to fight. I intend to fight. For our ideals. I intend to fight. Are you willing to stand together and fight for those people who are struggling? Are you willing to fight? 
is you don't get what you don't fight for. I am in this fight. But this is a fight for our country, for the oath we take to protect and defend the Constitution. And we got to fight like hell, and we got to win the House, and we got to win the Senate. We have it deep in our souls, and we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Now, which of these things is not like the other? Let's go back to our Sesame Street days as we were growing up before Sesame Street went woke in our childhoods. Which of these things is not like the others? And the answer is only one of them is impeachable. Donald Trump's, not Kamala's, not Bernie's, not Liz Warren, not Nancy Pelosi, and not even Donald Trump 2018 style. When he said the same exact thing, the same exact language. We got to go out and we got to fight like hell and we got to win the House and we got to win the Senate. That wasn't impeachable then, even though he said fight like hell. What's the difference between that one and the one on January 6th? We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. The difference is that a bunch of idiots who had already planned an assault and an attack or a storming of the Capitol building, as proven by the FBI, they went ahead and did something, and now the left says, well, it's because Trump told them to. If Trump told them to go and attack by simply saying, fight like hell, then what do all of those liberal Democrats, uh, you know, what, what, what responsibility do they have? I mean, think about that. Yesterday, in the House managers, you know, in other words, the prosecutors of President Trump, they focused on that line, which is the only line from the speech in the article of impeachment introduced, that they have, they're using to say that the president incited an insurrection or incited a riot or incited violence. They made that claim again yesterday, saying, you can't say fight like hell. That's telling people to go physically fight. And he still gave that marching orders and, quote, Fight like hell? That's the argument that they made on the floor yesterday, and I again remind them. Democrats are going to fight like hell. We're going to fight like hell. We'll fight like hell. We'll fight like hell. But can you imagine telling your supporters that the only way you could possibly lose is if an American election was rigged and stolen from you? And you can have the election stolen from you. And ask yourself whether you've ever seen anyone at any level of government, make the same claim about their own election. And you can have the election stolen from you. That, of course, at the end was a Democrat making the very same claim. That was Hillary Clinton after she lost in 2016 and claimed that the election was stolen from her. I mean, I don't know if these people are just obtuse, if they are just... How... They can stand there and make the argument that nobody else has ever said such a thing, that the election was stolen and thus challenged democracy. When Stacey Abrams did it in her loss in the Georgia governor's race, Hillary Clinton did it in her loss to President Trump, Al Gore did it in his loss to George W. Bush, John Kerry did it in his loss to George W. Bush, All of these challenges to the certification of the election, saying that there were irregularities, there was collusion, there was theft, there was illegal voting. This has happened countless numbers of times, but only once is it being held as a reason to impeach a president. 
And never before has it been done to impeach a president who isn't even president anymore. Fight like hell. But can you imagine telling your supporters that the only way you could possibly lose is if an American election was rigged and stolen from you? And you- um, yeah, I pretty much can imagine. That. And he still gave that marching orders and, quote, fight like hell. Democrats are going to fight like hell. We're going to fight like hell. We'll fight like hell. We'll fight like hell. But can you imagine telling your supporters that the only way you could possibly lose is if an American election was rigged and stolen from you? And you can have the election stolen from you. And ask yourself whether you've ever seen anyone at any level of government make the same claim about their own election. I'm going to continue playing this into the ground. I will beat it over and the head. And he still gave that. I will beat uh, this this audio, uh, you know, over people's heads until they understand the hypocrisy of what we are witnessing, the, the the blatant hypocrisy and the lies that are being told in an attempt to stop a man that they are scared to death of from ever running again. They know they can't impeach him. They know they're not going to have the votes in the Senate. They know he's going to be acquitted. But they're using this argument to then invoke the 14th Amendment in some capacity to say this man can never hold office again. But, I mean, how tone deaf are they? How literally ignorant of their own party's words must they be to stand there and say, can you even imagine anyone else at any level of politics saying the same thing about their own election? election. And you can have the election stolen from you. It's really uh, quite a remarkable thing, uh, what the Democrats are doing. Uh, and so that's where we are. The fight will continue today. The defense will continue today. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, uh, they don't need 16 hours to defend President Trump. They need 66 seconds, 66 seconds of President Trump unedited audio uh, calling um, for his supporters to patriotically and peacefully cheer on senators, making their voices heard. That's it. End of story. Defense rests. All right, it's 920. We'll take a quick time out. If you want to get in, get in now, because Kirsten, I was coming up after the 930 news, 216-901-0945 on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 925. Peter Kirsten, I'll come up after the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to talking about his testimony yesterday before the House Judiciary Committee on Joe Biden's plan to essentially surrender American sovereignty and endanger American security. And that is not an exaggeration. That is not hyperbole. Pete will tell you more. I know this because I talked to him last night a little bit about what went down, and he's going to share all that with us coming up at 935. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, let's get a excuse me. Let's get a call or two in first, Lisa. It's uh, Lisa at Medina County Friends and Neighbors. I know because it's Friday and there's probably a meeting tomorrow, right, Lisa? Good morning. Yes, there is. I kind of thought that might be what's going on. Tell us about it. Sure. We have Jim Irvine will be speaking tomorrow. Um, he's been the Mick fan um, over the years uh, several times, and he is on the board of directors. Uh, directors for the Second Amendment Foundation and also Buckeye Firearms Foundation and is a co-director with the Faster Saves 
Life program. The last time he spoke, he went over that FASTER program, which is just outstanding. Um, this time, I know we'll be going over some of the legislative um, issues that are going on on the state and on the national level. And uh, also, he'll be able to take questions on um, just any of those types of things, Second Amendment, self-defense. Uh, he's also a pilot, so you can ask him about that, too. <laughs> Well, clearly, you know, the Second Amendment is, is maybe now more important than ever. Even though it's, most of us kind of see our First Amendment rights being under the most attack right now. You know, we're, we're being canceled, we're being censored, we're being suppressed, uh, we're, we're, we're being limited in where we can go and what we can do. The, the violent crime rate in this country, and here in Northeast Ohio, in particularly, the, in particular the city of Cleveland, is off of the charts. More criminals are feeling emboldened. More criminals don't feel like the police are going to do anything to them because the police are so worried about being, you know, attacked or arrested. Um, you know, you're going to have to learn to defend yourself. You can't, you can't count on law enforcement to be there for you and your Second Amendment rights to protect yourself against crime, against the government, against whatever have never been more important. So I think it's a great, uh, it's a great guest you got coming. Oh, thanks. Things. Um, that'll be at the Thirsty Cowboy tomorrow morning at 8.30. The Thirsty Cowboy is in the um, 71 Plaza, right by 71 and Route 18. The actual address is 2743 Medina Road. Um, it's a I hope, great venue. I, hope I can, can swear come. to that. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I do too. And I hope people can. It is. It's a great venue. I spoke there about three weeks ago or something like that. And uh, it is a great place to be uh, surrounded and filled by great people. Lisa, thanks so much. Have a great meeting. You too. Thanks. All right. That's Lisa. Let's go to Alan next. Uh, Alan, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Hi. I was uh, wondering, with all this uh, prosecution of what happened on uh, January 6th, uh, all the violators of the Capitol uh, were arrested. But who are they? And there's been no identity. Um, You know, I I just think this is a setup. Um, And I'm really don't know why they haven't disclosed who those people are. What are you? Well, thoughts? most of them. Mo- well, most of them aren't newsworthy enough to put their names in newspapers or on TV because most of them were just arrested for trespassing, for unlawful entry into the building. The ones, and thank you for the phone call. The one, Alan, that or the ones that you are hearing their names. <clears throat> Uh, the individuals who did the most egregious things, like the one who tried to steal the speaker's podium. I mean, that's looting. Uh, the one, the ones who smashed the windows, uh, the ones who, you know, uh, attacked and assaulted, uh, even if it was not necessarily intended to be an assault, but trampled, you know, police officers. Those names have been released. Um, you gotta look for them, <clears throat> but they're in the news. But the vast majority, because there were only a few hundred out of 300,000 people, only a few hundred actually breached the Capitol and went inside. Many of them, by the way, as they were essentially escorted in by the police, there are videos, some of the videos of the January 6th riot of police stepping aside and opening up the, uh, you know, the bicycle racks or whatever you want to call them that were the barriers, literally opening them up and telling people, go ahead. Uh, because they didn't expect it, perhaps, at those particular points to be very violent. People just were going in, and they wanted to cheer. Because remember, this wasn't unique, not only in American history, but in recent history. The Wisconsin State Capitol in Madison was overrun for days, for days, as protesters were there. And, you know, because there wasn't a, a violent attempt to stop them, 
the violence really didn't manifest itself. It was just they were there making a nuisance of themselves, chanting and screaming and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there were a lot of people who were kind of allowed in, assuming it was going to be more of the same. And their names are just going to be, you know, they're going to be cited with trespassing, and that's about it, or unlawful entry of a, a public grounds or something to that effect. Uh, and their names aren't going to be listed. But the names of the most egregious offenders are out there, and there are still a lot more questions than there are answers, though. I will agree with you on that. All right, 9.30, let's get news. Let's talk to Peter Curson now. He'll give us answers coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 9.36, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's dive right into it. We only have Peter Curson out for two segments today as we're going to talk with William Federer coming up at 10.10, so we do not have time to waste. Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, was part of the 1776 President's Commission uh, on American History. He is, of course, an attorney and a member, or excuse me, and a, uh, a best-selling author as well. Peter, good morning. How are you, sir? Doing well. 359 days to the Super Bowl and the Browns' uh, appearance in Super Bowl 56, and uh, I'm going to be part of it. Uh, you, you, you still pushing for one play for Kersenow? That's exactly right. I'm still pushing Peter for it. I'm for working one out play. hard. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. One play. I love it. I can say I, I played it. in the NFL. I love it. Good luck to you, my friend. All right, uh, Pete, we've got a lot here uh, to try to unpack in a very short period of time. Um, I was going to start with your testimony yesterday before the House Judiciary Committee about uh, Joe Biden's uh, intention to surrender American sovereignty and to essentially destroy American security. And we can still do that. But I just have to ask you about this because the story came up this morning. We talk about white allegations of white supremacy white uh, systemic uh, racism in the United States and so on and so forth. And uh, we know that our schools are indoctrinating kids in a host of ways. It's one of the reasons why you were on the 1776 Commission, to counter the ridiculous lesson planning in history classes that featured on you know some of the narrative of the 1619 Project. But, Pete, it's not just history class now. This literal story came up on Fox News this morning, and I just have to ask you about it. Headline, Oregon promotes teacher program that seeks to undo racism in mathematics. A toolkit includes a list of ways white supremacy culture infiltrates math classrooms. Two lines I'll read, and then I'll get your response to this, Pete, to talk about the danger of this. Um, Part of the toolkit includes a list of ways white supremacy culture infiltrates math classrooms. Those include the focus on getting the right answers, Students being required to show their work and other alleged manifestations. The concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false, and teaching it is even much less so, the document reads. Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuate objectivity as well as fear of open conflict. I, I, Pete, I, I, I'm, I've got no words for this. Um, yeah, you can't demand right and wrong answers now because somehow, some way, that perpetuates white supremacy, and mathematics cannot be object. Now, math is about the only objective. Math and science about the only objective. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, disciplines of study that there are and now they want to make the responses the answers you get in mathematics subjective to interpretation based on your skin color i wish we could just make this a subject of ridicule unfortunately we're at an era right now where we really can't we have to take this seriously uh 
25, 30 years ago when I was debating affirmative action at law schools, and by the way, as you know, uh, they're not debating anymore. They just shut down debate. They don't want to defend their propositions. I used to joke about, is there a black speed of light? You know, it was just an absurd concept, and here we are. The absurd becomes reality for the left. I mean, I used to talk about also, you know, do you want to be flying in a plane where the engineers were selected based on skin pigmentation as opposed to their, the quality of their knowledge with respect to engineering? Uh, but this is where we are today. And think about the inherent racism by suggesting that there's no such thing as a right or, or, or that having the right answer is a white construct, as if blacks get answers wrong or don't care about getting answers white or 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 that is precisely what it says. Pete, one more this line is, from it, because yes. one, one more line from it. Let me give you because it's what you're saying right now. The educational program, quote, helps educators learn key tools for engagement, develop strategies to improve equitable outcomes for black, Latinx, and multilingual students, and join communities of practice. What you just said, they're literally saying the right answer is a white construct. You need to accept other right answers, whatever ones that black and Latinx and multilingual students come up with. Yeah, you've heard the word equitable in there, and as I've said before, when you hear equitable or equity in any sentence outside the context of home finance, you know somebody's taking you for a ride. We used to talk about equality, we used to talk about equal opportunity, equal treatment, now it's about equity, which is an amorphous concept, simply constructed so that the left can impose its values on you. This is dangerous stuff, we have to push back on it, you know, unfortunately, the 1776 um, commission was disbanded, Uh, the Biden administration's fully on board with this type of lunacy. We have the 1619 Project that's being introduced into thousands of classrooms across the country, in Ohio also. And, you know, you, Bob, has been very good about fighting against the resolution that the State Board of Education passed about seven months ago on this. Uh, everybody needs to be involved in this thing. If you don't, even if you don't have kids in school, even if you don't have grandkids in school, even if, you, you know, you just... Uh, are not really that politically engaged. There are few things as important as the education of the kids. They're trying to make kids believe that our country is racist and horrible. They're trying, now they're they're anti, this is supposedly the party of science. This is voodoo. This is craziness, and we're not going to, aside from everything else that's bad, this is child abuse. We as a nation cannot continue to exist much longer if we base many of our fundamental precepts on fiction. And we will not be able to compete against China and any other country if we're doing stupid things such as this. But this is occurring in a number of endeavors beyond education, beyond math um, and, and history. Virtually everything is subject to an indoctrination precept. And it's not just the schools, it's almost every level of government, major corporations, or many institutions, and I've said this many times before, and, and I think you've said it too, Bob, if there's such a thing, and we know there isn't, and I've, I've gone through the data to disprove it, but if there's such a thing as systemic or institutional racism, that's a problem of the left. They control all the institutions, all the systems. So you tell me what the problem is. I, we've had 
these these woke activists before the Civil Rights Commission talking about school instruction and alleging that these these kids are subject to structural and systemic racism. And I'm, I, I asked them, and there were school administrators there and members of the teachers union, and I said, wait a minute, are you telling me that the wokest profession on the planet is racist? Are you telling me that your constituents are all a bunch of clan uh, members? And, you know, then they get the deer in the headlights look on their faces. This is so illogical. It, it, it Put it this way. What they are teaching is illogic because their concepts, their positions can't stand logical scrutiny. So they try to press on everybody the cancel culture that you can't even question this ludicrous concepts that they are pr- promoting. Truly extraordinary, Bob. It is exactly that, Peter Kirstenau. And uh, like I said, I didn't mean to spring that on you, but I knew you had all of those facts locked and loaded anyway. When I saw that story today about math, I just could not let it let it pass by. Pete, let's morph into uh, now what happened yesterday. Uh, the Biden administration uh, and his exec- list of executive orders and his planned legislation or his calls for legislation are extraordinary. Um, he is surrendering national sovereignty. He already undid the president's declaration of emergency at the border, which officially stops construction of the border wall because there is no more uh, emergency um he has declared the white house has declared that the border is not open yet jen Psaki admits that dhs is releasing migrants into the united states in fact 125,000 refugees have now been greenlit by biden um and of course we know that they're just running past border patrol agents uh at the southern border right now so you testified yesterday before the House Judiciary Committee on, all, Committee on all of this. Tell us how that went and what you think is going to happen. Yeah, you know, uh, your listeners would be distressed if they watched any of it. It was by Zoom, Zoom testimony. It was not in person. There were a couple people present, usually just clerks, and I think uh, maybe one or two members was actually present. But nonetheless, um, members of your listening audience would be even more upset about the prospects of secure borders or sane immigration policy if they listen to the Democrats on that committee, because it's pretty clear, and they said it quite plainly, I think they've been unleashed now. They know they've got the media on their side completely. They think they're on the offensive, and they are saying things with impunity. They don't care about the electoral consequences, apparently, because they think, you know, if you look at the Time Magazine article about all the institutions that helped shape the election, they think they've got it in the bag, apparently, because I was, I've been testifying on immigration for a long, long time. And even I was amazed by the brazenness of what the Democrats were saying, such as they want, they're going to regularize everyone. That's their objective. They want to, quote unquote, regularize. In other words, amnesty and a pathway to citizenship. And that pathway is going to be very short. It's like, get across the border, you're going to be a citizen in short order. For everybody, no ifs, ands, or buts. Catch and release is the order of the day right now. So even, you know, we don't have really any security at the border right now to speak of because they're just waving people across. But if you get across, um, you're going to be released and you're not going to show up for a hearing. They never did show up for a hearing or very few showed up for a hearing. In addition to that, if you show up at the border with a kid, you're waved across. No one's even going to question you. You come across, that's it. Game over. You're going to be an American. Uh, it's stunning what they're, they're up to these days. And again, it's there for everybody to see. They're not curbing their actions or, or statements anymore because they think they're on the ascendancy. 
One of the things is this is about a three and a half hour hearing. And of course, I'm the only conservative witness, which is usually the case. They usually stock the witness panel with uh, a bunch of people who are open, open borders advocates. And I was the only one who was justifying in favor of secure borders and the damage that is done by admission of illegal aliens into the United States. And it is palpable and it's profound. No matter what the media is telling you, I've got the data and we've disaggregated all these things by crime, health care, uh, the pressure on the public fisc, um, the threat to workers in America, particularly black workers. That was maybe the focus of my testimony, but it's all low-skilled employees are, are at uh, jeopardy of having their wages suppressed and also being thrown out of jobs because legal immigrants are very often preferred by a lot of employers because legal immigrants will, you know, take substandard wages and conditions that sometimes Americans won't take, and those legal immigrants are a cohort highly unlikely to complain to EEOC, OSHA, and the Wage and Hour Division of the Department of Labor. So this, this competition has resulted in the loss of millions, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating that, millions of American jobs over the last 30 years, and particularly among black Americans, because that's where most of the competition is. Legal immigrants are disproportionately likely to have minimal levels of education, um, same with low-skilled workers of any race, but there's a disproportionate number of those who are black. And in hearings before the Civil Rights Commission, we showed the significant damage done to black earnings and employment prospects as a result of illegal immigration. So in general, what I would say the takeaway is Democrats are on the march to open borders completely, if, if they aren't already, but formalize it. And regularize, by that they mean providing a pathway to citizenship and the ability to vote for millions of illegal aliens. This is not about the United States of America. This is about the Democratic Party. And I can't make it any plainer than that. I don't want to be partisan about this. But my goodness, you can't stick your head in the sand and not see what is happening here. And it was despicable. I, I maintain my composure there, but it's very, very difficult to do so listening to the Democrats on that committee. Now, the good news is we have some very good Republicans on that committee. Tom McClintock, for example, Chip Roy of Texas was phenomenal. Um, but, you know, Republicans are in the minority, and these guys are going to try to make hay, meaning the Democrats, as long as they've got the majority and they've got Biden in the White House, will sign anything. He's like the, the auto pen. He'll sign anything they put in front of him. He won't know what it is. Similar to, remember Governor Lepetamine from Blazing Saddles? Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to even raise that movie anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Not, not, you're in trouble now. And as a matter of fact, I'm glad you did, because you may get canceled for that. And that's going to be my lead into the next segment after this time out here. We're going to talk about cancel culture, Blazing Saddles. Uh, you know, The Mandalorian, which is part of the Star Wars franchise, didn't get canceled. But one of its actresses did, because she made the capital mistake of actually not speaking woke. And uh, I'll let you respond to that, Peter, on the other side. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.54. I've got six minutes left with Kirsten now. We're going to try to make the most of it. Pete, you've uh, seen the story by now, of course. The actress um, uh, in The Mandalorian, I'm not a Star Wars fan, so I don't even know what The Mandalorian is, but I do know it's a Disney thing, and it's part of the Star Wars uh, uh, you know, field, whatever you want to call it, their, their franchise. But um, she tweeted things that weren't using woke speak. 
She compared the way that Jews were treated in the early to mid-1930s to the way Republicans and conservatives are being treated now. That is, it wasn't the Nazis who started rounding up and killing and hurting and beating Jews. It was their neighbors who started beating Jews for being Jewish. They turned on them, and then the government came in and finished the job. Her comparison is to what's being done to conservatives and Republicans uh, in this country right now. So that and a few other tweets that just, again, express conservative points of view and did not bow at the feet of trans agendas and this and that and the other, she's gone. Is there any end in sight, do you think, to cancel culture? Not in the immediate future, and it's not going to end well, unfortunately. As you know, Bob, we've been doing this for for several years now, and I'm generally very, very optimistic all the time. I'm I think some of your listeners probably share my change in attitude that I'm not as optimistic uh, about the prospects of our country uh, as I used to be. Uh, We've reached a real critical point when we, even in, in spirit and in practice, we violate the First Amendment. A corporation can go ahead, like Disney, and fire its people for saying things. And it's not necessarily, it isn't a violation of the First Amendment, but the spirit of, of the First Amendment is violated. And the, the whole notion that you must walk in lockstep with a particular ideology, that you can't think for yourself if you express yourself, and this was, she expressed it in an innocuous way. She wasn't trying to compare what was happening in 1930s Germany to what's happening right now. She was simply saying that the first stage in trying to other somebody. That is, uh, it was the Nazi party that had been uh, leveling propaganda against Jews to cause other Germans to then beat up and, and destroy the businesses of Jews. And she's saying the first step here is to other Republicans or conservatives to make them unacceptable, to, to direct, you know, uh, enmity toward them and hatred toward them. Um, you know, and, you know, she wasn't making an historical comparison. Either way, I don't care if she was doing it in, ineptly, and I don't think she was, uh, because there have been a lot of lies told about what she said and what she, or what she tweeted. Um, but nonetheless, that's the essence of freedom and free speech. You simply don't derive freedom from the government. One of the things that you derive freedom from is a society that recognizes plurality and that you have multiple avenues of outlet, that that speech is encouraged. You don't want to, using the airplane analogy again, very poorly, by the way, but have two engineers, and one of them says, well, we don't need a screw on the wing in this particular place, and the other person being cowed from responding and saying, I really do think we need a screw, and then, you know, all kinds of bad things happen. That's an extreme, but you want debate, and you want it for a whole host of reasons we don't have time to discuss, but one of them is debate and speech and expression relieves the pressure cooker that always builds up in any society if you don't have free speech or opportunities for expression or outlets. And that's what we're seeing right now, and it's dangerous. And I would suggest that there are several reasons why this is being done, but one of them is purposeful. I would suggest that there is a a component within our society that wants the, the people, the conservatives and others to overreact so they can continue to ratchet down or, or suppress conservatives. They want to say, just as they, they are exaggerating what happened in the Capitol, that every conservative condemned right away. We've been consistent about that, along with BLM rights and Antifa rights. But they want to continue to lie about it, exaggerate it, call it an insurrection, so they can delegitimize anything similarly situated and delegitimize conservatives generally. They want to paint with a broad brush to do that. 
Doing something like that is going to result in uh, further division in society, but more importantly, I'm, I'm afraid it's going to result in violence. and We don't know where it's going to lead. Once you start going down this path, it's very, very difficult to put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, I completely concur. Uh, in fact, not only is it not going to go back in the bottle, I just think the bottle's going to be busted wide open where it doesn't even have a lid anymore. Um, it's going to get worse because who's to stop them? You know, I know that according to what I read yesterday, uh, thousands of people, uh, you know, uh, automatically drop their Disney Plus app membership, you know, their subscription, uh, and, and uh, you know, protest of this. But they've got millions of people who are not only already members and are going to stay members, but probably they're going to get just as many woke uh, progressives th- by the thousands to join because they did this to this uh, actress, Gina Carano. Yeah, and the problem for them is that it's going to come for them eventually, all these woke activists. For now, it's being directed towards who, conservative. Though? Uh, who, though, I hear that. I hear people say eventually they're going to come for you too, but they are them. You know what I mean? Who, you know who who's yeah. going to come for if the progressives are the ones coming? Uh, what progressives are they going to come for? You know, it's a weird question. I know. Yeah, it, well, because the, there's an evolution in what's considered to be progressive, and so there's going to be a race to the, the far left, and the folks on the far left are going to be the ones who then cannibalize those who haven't gotten to the far left fast, fast enough. It's happening already. You're seeing it already, where a lot of the folks who are being canceled, are, or some of the folks that are being canceled at least, are, on, are not uh, sufficiently woke. They are on the left, but they're not sufficiently woke. These kinds of revolutions, I mean, Alexander Solzhenitsyn talks about this very brilliantly, and others do too, about how eventually the very folks who began the revolution are consumed by not being revolutionary enough. So I don't, look, frankly, good for them, but I'm concerned about the United States of America right now, and I'm concerned about living in, right. a, in a livable society, one that cherishes multiple points of view and doesn't come down everyone's throat the minute they say something that some person, who knows even where with Twitter, you don't even know who these people are, considers to be unacceptable. Yeah, yeah I just got a note, by the way, from David, who said uh, Disney Plus was boasting 93 million subscribers in their earnings report just this morning on Bloomberg. So even if outraged conservatives, let's say a million conservatives banded together and say, no more, no more cancel culture, they got 92 million more, and they'll probably be offset by another million, as I said, who will join them because they love what they just did to this actress. So I'm, I'm afraid it's going to get far, far worse before and if ever it ever gets any better. I Peter Kirsten, great stuff. Great stuff, my friend. I appreciate you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Good weekend, Bob. Chris. You too. 1001, uh, let's get news and come back and talk presidents with Bill Federer on AM 1420 The Answer.